The TV fans are taking over. This is Across the Airwaves. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Come Across the Airways, the podcast dedicated to giving weekly TV show episode reviews along with news and opinions on the entertainment industry. I'm Dan Schmidt, your host, and with me is a guy who's got all night to get lucky, my co-host. Hey everybody, it's Nico and welcome to Across the Airways. On this week's episode, we will continue our coverage of the spring TV season as we review Castle and Supernatural in our sitcom section including Community, New Girl, Modern Family, and Big Bang Theory. But as always, we'll also bring you all the TV and entertainment news of the week in the News with Nico section. Yeah, let's get that News with Nico section started with a whole bunch of great news on uh, New Girl, Game of Thrones, Doctor Who, get the Deadpool movie, along with the revival of X-Files. So take it away, Nico, with the great stuff we've got this week. Trevor Noah replaces Jon Stewart on The Daily Show. Trevor Noah is set to replace Jon Stewart as host of The Daily Show. The South African comedian is one of Africa's most successful comedians, hosting Tonight with Trevor Noah in his home country. He made his debut on American TV back in 2012 on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno and on The Late Show with David Letterman. He joined The Daily Show cast last year as a contributor, making memorable jokes about racial tensions in America, including the, quote, I never thought I'd be more afraid of police in America than in South Africa. No date has been set for his premiere episode just yet. Just a reminder, Jon Stewart, who took over Comedy Central's The Daily Show from Craig Kilborn in 1999 and led the series to two Peabody Awards and 18 Emmy Awards announced he was leaving the show in February. Game of Thrones Maisie Williams to raise some hell on Doctor Who Season 9. Maisie Williams, aka Game of Thrones' Arya Stark, will pay a visit to the TARDIS with a guest-starring turn on BBC and BBC America's Doctor Who. Quote, we are thrilled to have Maisie Williams joining us, Doctor Who executive producer Stephen Moffat said in a statement. It's not possible to say too much about who or what she's playing, but she is going to challenge the Doctor in very unexpected ways. This time, he might just be out of his depth, and we know Maisie is going to give him exactly the right sort of hell. The Timey Wimey series is currently filming two period adventures, The Girl Who Died, written by Moffat and Jamie Matheson, and The Woman Who Lived by Catherine Tregana, with season 9 to debut this fall. BBC offering Doctor Who BitTorrent box set. As much as networks and channels might want to ignore it, a large percentage of people who watch certain programs do so by downloading them via BitTorrent. This is, in a very general way, piracy, since the downloaders neither pay for the show directly through after-the-fact pay services like iTunes or Amazon, nor indirectly by paying for a cable package or something like Hulu, since it doesn't have everything people might want to watch. However, the people creating these shows have to know and recognize that they're fan base consists of lots of people who torrent and quite a few of those will surely buy other products related to the show if only there was a way to combine these things well now there is and the bbc is heading in the in that direction at least for a special offer to commemorate 10 years of the revived doctor who the bbc is offering a 10 story box set available only on BitTorrent for 12 dollars globally this set won't just be episodes there will also be some special feature content including the doctor who earth conquest documentary about last year's world tour as well as current star peter cabaldi discussing some of his favorite episodes. This kind of BitTorrent bundle is something Radiohead has done for music, but it's completely new in the realm of television. The episodes in question are a mixture of super awesome and some super terrible, but it's a good smattering of the 10 years as a whole. For more information, follow the link in the ACC feed for the full list of episodes, but three of the four best episodes of season one are included with Jack Harkness's introduction two-parter and my favorite one-off episode Blink from series three as well. Great collection that if I did not already have every episode already, I'd probably consider buying this. 
Walking Dead Season 5 Finale Highest Rated 1 in Show's History Last week's Season 5 Finale of The Walking Dead was the show's highest rated finale of all time, delivering 15.8 million viewers and 10.4 million adults aged 18 to 49. With time-shifted playback added in, the special 90-minute finale is expected to exceed 20 million viewers and 11 million adult 18 to 49 demographic. As a whole, live and same-day viewing numbers for episodes in Season 5 averaged 14.4 million and 9.4 million in the 18 to 49 demo. The latter represents a 9% increase increase compared to last season. Additionally, The Walking Dead's fifth season achieves something no other cable series has ever accomplished, as each episode in season five ranked in the top 50 telecasts across all of television in this key demographic. Great news for the series. New Girl renewed for season five as John Cho joins cast. Jess and Co are returning for another season as Fox has renewed the Zoe Deschanel comedy for a fifth season. Oddly enough, the pickup comes as work on season five is already underway. The show remained in production after wrapping season four in order to get a jump on season five ahead of Deschanel's maternity leave since the actress's pregnancy is not being incorporated into the show. Meanwhile, TV Line has exclusively learned that at least one, but likely more, of those season five episodes will feature a guest turn by John Cho. The selfie and sleepy hollow vet will play a a guy just meets when she excitedly reports for jury duty. SNL's Taryn Kiln is also set to guest star. Also fun fact, the series will celebrate its landmark 100th episode during season 5. X-Files revival bringing back Cigarette Smoking Man and Walter Skinner. When David Duchovny and Gillian Anderson return for the X-Files as part of Fox's 6th episode revival, they won't be coming alone. During an appearance on The Late Show with David Letterman on Tuesday, Duchovny was asked which original characters we can look forward to seeing again, at which point he spilled the beans. There's Gillian and I, we're original, Mitch Pileggi will come back and the cigarette smoking man if that means anything to anyone will be coming back william b davis's cigarette smoking man as you may recall was Mulder's arch nemesis revealed in the show's sixth season to be cgb spender pelegi meanwhile played fbi assistant director walter skinner who was included in tv line's gallery of 16 things we need to see in the x-files reboot if you want to watch the letterman interview follow the link in the acc feed for the video i'm super excited for the return of x-files and skinner and the smoking man will make it even better deadpool film officially receives r rating ryan Reynolds dropped some major Deadpool news on us in the, his Twitter feed earlier this week, confirming that the film will indeed be R-rated. February 12th, there will be blood, guns, F-bombs, and graphic expertly lit French unicorn sex. Hashtag Deadpool rated R. After the initial announcement, Reynolds released an official reaction to the news in an exclusive interview with Mario Lopez, which is available if you follow the link in the ACC feed. I'm excited for this R-rated Deadpool film. HBO coming to Sling TV ahead of Game of Thrones premiere. HBO will be available on live television service Sling TV in time for the Game of Thrones Season 5 premiere on April 12th. An exact launch date is expected to be announced soon. The HBO package will cost $15 per month on top of Sling TV's $20 monthly fee. The package includes one HBO Live channel as well as the company's massive video-on-demand library. This is essentially like linking your HBO Now and Sling TV together. Sling TV's Best of TV core package includes channels like ESPN, ESPN, AMC, A&E, TNT, and more. The service recently came to Xbox One in North America, offering a 30-day free trial. Sling TV is also available on PC, Mac, iOS, Android, Amazon Fire TV, and TV Stick, and the current generation Roku players and Roku TV models. Once again, Sling TV is the first foray into realistic cord cutting and fighting the bloated cable companies. So I am super excited about this. And that's the news with Nico for this week. All right, so now we're going to get things rolling with one of the two stickouts we had this week. With a very fun episode that uh, audiences really seem to like and just very well. If Castle does not come back, next year could be the last fun episode we got on this show. Because if it is, well, I think it's a good way to go out. So uh, let's talk now about the Castle episode, Cabious Corpse. 
Beckett and Castle investigate the murder of a personal injury attorney, Richie the Pitbull Falco, by looking into his clients and competitors. But it's a shocking secret that they uncover that may be the link to his murder. With Castle being on the bubble for an eighth and probably final season, I looked at this episode in a completely different light, realizing it might be the last time going to experience the things that I love about this show. Yeah, I'll admit, there's been a few small bumps in the road along the way, but for the most part, it's been a pleasure to watch Castle. Go discuss it here on ATA. So with that thought in mind, I got really into, can enjoy the betting going on between Castle, Ryan, and Esposito, go to their performances, go to talent show. Because the competing that goes on between these guys at Beckett is something which makes this show fun. Because if this is the last time the writers could have fun in this kind of way, then I'm glad to see that they went all out with it. Going to the extent of seeing Ryan, could Esposito dance in the interrogation room. Again, some fans might have considered it a gay cop-out, that we didn't get to see their real performance, because he had to perform. But I think there was actually a real-life issue, because Stan Arcata could not be able to say. Because I think the voice in the shower we heard was not hers. But I thought the writer addressed the problem beautifully by being really sweet of Castle to back out of performing for Beckett. Good setting on setting up what maybe good nice final scene between Beckett and Martha come out stage fright. Nika, were you much more invested in the betting over the talent show storyline than you normally would because it may very well be the last time we get to have some fun hanging out with the gang at the precinct? Come on, the image of Ryan and Esposito be this fond memory that you always look back on Good thinking about the show? Yeah, maybe, Dan. Or maybe it was because we really haven't had a lighthearted sort of for-fun bet between the guys in so long that it seemed more like an episode from a few seasons ago rather than in this season that could be the final one. Whether it was because it might be the last time or just because it had been a while since we got something like this from the guys, either way, it worked this week. Yeah. So, yeah, I was, I was excited about it. Also, I loved Ryan and Espo's routine, and I thought it was actually better getting to see them rehearse the routine rather than spending the expense it would have taken to have a full-on event. And in the end, we got the best of both worlds by doing it this way. We got to see them actually do their routine but yep. without having to you know spend extra money to do a full-on gala event so i think it worked out better and as for your theory about not showing beckett singing being because of static not being able to sing eh, that could have been the case I, I don't really know i'm i'm just not sure why they'd even do the entire story arc if she were not willing or able to sing so i don't know they handled it yeah. well and turned it out it turned it into a really sweet gesture on castle's part so it all worked out in the end i just don't understand why you would even bring up that kind of story if everyone on the team was not willing to or able right. to do it. So, I don't know. Maybe it was partly that. Maybe it was some, something else. It, whatever it was, it, it ended up working out okay. Yeah, and I also kind of liked how we got to kind of get an illusion of what happened with the real performance with uh, Esposito whipping out the feral hat. Yeah. Get some of that stuff. Exactly. Uh, that was kind of fun. And then in the interrogation room. Funny stuff. And a great song choice for that as well. Oh, yeah. I thought that worked perfectly. You know, just real fun stuff for these guys. And to get the audience I was watching it with was cracking up and getting a real good laugh kind of all this stuff. So for that part, it was a good episode just because it you know, was really fun to watch with like that late stuff because they were just laughing and enjoying the show. So good stuff. And in addition to like, having a lot of fun with this episode, you know, the mystery was quite good because it focused on those sleazeball personal injury attorneys with the cheap late night TV commercials who are characters wacky or quirky enough to have their own television shows. Here in Illinois, we have Glenn Lerner, a guy who looks like a reject bodybuilder. Okay, in California, I'm sure Nico sees all sorts of commercials for these colorful characters. Why did he get you the claim you deserve? And I thought the lawyer with the cowboy hat, Garchie the Savannah Hammer, Rodstein, fit these sleaze balls perfectly. Okay, if this guy came to me, wanting to be my attorney, I would feel very leery about hiring him. Okay, I guess I was right, as he turned out to be the killer of the week. Nico, using Archie Rodstein as my inspiration, did you think this episode of Castle hit the world of shady personal injury attorneys right on the head with a hammer? 
Yeah, Dan, I, I did. Out here in Southern California, there's a pretty sleazy accident and injury attorney by the name of Big Al, which is not actually even an attorney named Big Al, but a nationwide conglomerate of attorneys that use the same ads across the country. And the guy here in LA is actually named Kenneth Klein Esquire. So yeah, the Archie Bronstein character was perfectly suited to the world of shady personal injury attorneys and reminded me of those Big Al ads I hear on the radio or see on television. However, along those same lines, the pip character really intrigued me as he was a big time real lawyer who left the big time after he realized that he was involved in a cover-up of massive proportions and went into personal injury law to help the underdogs. I really thought that was an interesting twist on the character archetype and really something that made this murder mystery and this case sort of stand out in my mind. So I really enjoyed that. Yeah, you know, Kathleen used to be very good about this in the first five seasons, giving us something that's different or works against an archetype. Yep. Yeah, and I thought this was back to that normal standard of the show being able to do that. So that was very good. I mean, this felt like a classic Castle episode. Very Did much. agree with everything? Oh, yeah, very much so. Yeah, and really, you know, in addition, you know, some of the Castle mysteries do a good job of throwing in really solid twists. Because I thought, you know, the whole thing with the dummy, that Castle back and Father of the Woods, and how that was brought back around to the Caves, to the Claims case, got the Savannah Hammer brought up, got the side out about the girl who got the strap to Watch to do her hard. You know, that was really good stuff. Good glad how it kind of came back around to that. Eco, were you impressed by these twists? Good addition to the cultural suspects that were kind of brought in this episode? Yeah, absolutely, Dan. That was partly why I liked the Pitbull characters arc so much this week because it involved a real case that had backstory and had all the twists and turns that the dummy being buried to keep it safe, the PI stealing it from Castle and Beckett at gunpoint, and the whole thing tying back to that random case. It seemed like Pitbull was trying to poach, but in reality, he was just trying to make up for some terrible stuff stuff he had done in his past. Really great mystery this week with lots of twists and turns. Like you said a moment ago, it felt like a very classic Castle episode, and it's good to see that even this late in the game, they're able to pull off something that feels so classic to this show. Well, it was very well thought out here. Mm-hmm. I mean, very, very well laid out. Kelly did. I mean, this could have got really complicated, kind of murky, but it was very easy to understand, but it was still very exciting and interesting at the same time. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to see they had this outing with a beat on the ball. Yeah, exactly. Oh, with something like this. Exactly. But then we kind of had the scary part of this scenario. Okay, with Castle not being on for a couple of weeks, I have to imagine that really this could be the last good episode of Castle we may ever see. Because it was advertised on April 20th, the show is going to return for what may be its final set of episodes. And I know at least the next episode is going to focus on the hated Capnesia plotline. Because as soon as I saw the trailer for this, I wanted to throw a shoe at the television. Because it's very possible that the network has already seen these episodes. Because they took the show in a ridiculous direction. That's going to make us as the audience feel Castle deserves cancellation. Nico, are you as scared as I am that the resolution of the Amnesia plotline could ruin the show. It could it be so bad that it caused the network to put the show on the bubble? You know, Dan, I am disappointed that the Amnesia plotline may be the final story arc of the series, but I'm actually interested to see if they can make it interesting and give it the classic castle twist that would make it interesting and a great way to wrap the series. I think if they do it right, it could turn out to be okay. With each passing week that we do not get any word about the fate of the show, I think more and more that the show is going to end this year. I'm a little scared by that because I'm not sure if it's going to get the true wrap-up that it deserves. I'm by no means hoping for that, but am going to be honest. It would not be the end of the world for me either. Right. I'd love to see Nathan move on to the next big thing, and I know he is working with Alan Tudyk to create that Conman show for the web, and I'd like to see him do fun stuff like that more as well as he goes forward. Who knows? Maybe Nathan and Joss could link up again since yes, Joss, please. you know, he's, he's said he will probably not be heading the Avengers 3 film, so he's got to be primed for something new as 
as well. So I think it's almost the perfect opportunity for those two great, you know, Joss and, and, and Nathan to get together and make something cool, something on the order of Firefly-esque, you know, something that big and that... Could we get another Firefly Adventures at all? I don't think so. I I mean, I know everyone has said that they'd be into it, but every everyone is so busy and doing their own thing, it would be almost impossible to get them all oh, enough All time. I could say is like Netflix movie or something like that. A, a, fi- a film is, is more likely because that would be maybe four to six weeks of filming yep. as opposed to a, a series which would be, you know, something like 32 to 40 weeks of, of filming for, well, I don't know if it's actually that much filming because a lot of it would be uh, post-production. But, you know, what I'm saying, it would take up a lot more time to do a, a series. I, right. I hope that these Final Four Castle episodes make for a fitting end, and I'm sure we will be satisfied with whatever we get, but I'm I'm hoping it's really good. I'm hoping it's really good, and and really sends this show off in the style that it deserves, you know? Let's right. Castle and Beckett right off into the sunset together. You gotta be honest, my brain is kind of coming up with how they can resolve this Adesha file line in a way that's satisfying. I just don't see it right now. Well, I okay, think... It may surprise me, but I don't see it right now. I think the best way they can do it is blow it up super big, make it seem like it's gonna be a whole nother season's worth of stuff, and then shrink it back down again, just like they've done with a number of other plots. So, I think if they can find a way to do that, the way that we've talked about a number of times on this show, I, I think it could be very satisfying. I, I don't know what the, that's gonna be. I'm, I'm not gonna right. even... I'm not even gonna pretend I'm a good enough pseudo-writer to come up with something like that, but I I have faith in these guys. I have faith in Marlo that he'll be able to pull something out and really surprise us. And, you know, maybe the show in this series ends on somewhat of a cliffhanger because they didn't know whether or not they were going to get another season. But as long as it's a good one that we can talk about and, and think about and it doesn't just completely take us off, I think yeah. I'll be satisfied in the end. Or about obliterate Castle Beckett's relationship. Yeah, something horrible like that. And I would I will write an angry fan letter. <laughs> I think a lot of people will. Yeah. I think even Nathan would be angry. Yeah, you know, I mean, especially with what happened with Firefly and, you know, getting Serenity finally to, to be able to sort of wrap that up. You'd yeah. almost think that Castle would need something like a, a movie or something to, to fix it if they, they did something stupid like that. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. Oh, I don't think so either. I think they're going to let them know enough ahead of time that it's all going to work out. Um, the other thing is, I, again, along with Nathan, I hope we see these other actors again. I know Nathan is a for sure. Oh, yeah. But the others I hope we see again too because I really do enjoy them with what they've done with the show and the parts they've played as well because I hope they can be kind of a part of Nathan's posse along with Alan Tudyk and you know a lot of the Firefly cast sure so that would be really cool or you know if Joss gets to use some of them along with Nathan for a new project that would be fun too that would be that would absolutely be okay that's another whole tangent great so let's talk now about a Supernatural episode that featured the return of a loving character on the show you know man did he give the show come pick me up so let's talk about the episode Inside Man While Sam and Cassiel free Metatron from heaven, Dean goes out drinking and meets Rowena. Meanwhile, Crowley decides of what to do about his mother. Dude, you want to get Supernatural? Come pick me up. Bring back Bobby Singer, who simply stole the show by proving just how much he is missed as a regular character. Through playing Steve McQueen. Good heaven. Okay, the writers throwing in the greatest hits come as trademark lines, including balls, digits. Nico, did it make your night to have Bobby back on Supernatural? Can you think the writers made his return worthwhile? So, Dan, I was worried when I actually heard that Bobby was coming back to Supernatural that they were going to rip him out of heaven and screw up his happily ever after. For the most part, that was not the case, and I love having Bobby running around heaven 
rallying the Bobbies and having one last hurrah for old time's sake. I loved almost everything about the way they handled the Bobby arc up until the very last second of it when it looked as if the angels had come for Bobby in the end. Does that mean they are kicking him out of heaven? And if so, where would where does he go? Surely not hell for something so minor as helping a friend and not even committing a mortal sin. So what happens to him now? That ambiguity and seemingly negative ending really ticked me off about this episode. Otherwise, I absolutely loved it. Will they even bother explaining it or leave it completely open-ended? I suppose they could just wipe his memory of the event and return him to the bliss before Sam made contact, and that would actually be the safest and most humane treatment yeah, for him, but not exactly angelic in this series. I would expect something more brutal and worse from angels in Supernatural. So for the most part, I was all on board for the return of Bobby. Just that ending didn't sit well with me. I did like how he said I was the happiest kid I've ever been when I heard from you again. Yeah. When he told Sam that, that helped me with it. The other thing is, Bobby is friends with Cass, and we kind of know that Hannah is in love with Cass. Right. So I feel like she's not going to do anything horrific to him because of that. Because like, I feel like Supernatural is getting away from the angels be dicks thing. <laughs> a little bit good so that's that's good the other thing is guy i cannot see a serious finale for this show without bobby being in it so i feel like there will be some revolution resolution to this okay. i don't think it's the last we're gonna see of him okay at all not by a long shot come again you know it may just be so deceited but that's that's fine with good i thought this was fine here again i was very like you but i think it turned out okay good good in addition to bobby being back you know i really found that psychic that says he's uh, used to contact bobby in heaven that's really a fun and interesting character who i kind of want to see again Nico, were you also interested in the psychic character. Did you want to see more backstory? Kind of how the Battle of Waters being wiped out before he was taught to master his powers affected him to the point that he wanted to hide from society? Yeah, Dan, this was a fun one-off character that gave us a few laughs and could be a future ally if the Men of Letters ever return. I thought that was awesome. Plus, his powers were pretty awesome as well. So. I thought so as well. Yeah. If this was earlier in the series, I would think that maybe this guy was going to be not a regular, but definitely a recurring character that we would see from time to time and the brothers would go to him when they needed contact or needed to contact heaven or something like that or if they needed some information about other psychics or other psychic phenomenon but this late in the game i don't know i i hope they could use him again but he didn't seem all that into it and then i don't know maybe he maybe he him helping the men of letters again reinvigorates his desire to help people so it could go either way but either way it was pretty awesome well the other thing is i liked how they didn't really have to get him up to speed no because he was a mind reader yeah exactly so they could just say yeah oh, mind reader because it was good how they played off as a joke yeah it wasn't something like oh we're just doing this out of ease because like, yeah we're gonna make some fun out of this yeah exactly. that was good yeah that's some of the humor the supernatural humor that hasn't been around for a while so it was kind of nice to go back to that Agreed. Yeah, even though she annoyed me once again, it was really good how the writers used Rowena as kind of a lead sword at this week. With the excellent scene where Dean used Crowley as his doctor fell. Can I had to say I applauded. Good Crowley finally sent Rowena packing. Because the writers finally went back to allowing Mark A. Shepard to be that actor that we love. However, I think Dean should have killed Rowena when she gave him that hero speech. Can Crowley maybe should have done the same thing instead of booting her out of hell? Because they should know she's going to keep causing problems until she's completely off the board. Nico, do you think that Crowley scenes can mention were examples of the writers? going back to giving Marty Shepard to performances that are worthy of his caliber of acting. I liked how Crowley handled Rowena this week. Well, besides killing her, because that would have been the best, of course. I and agree. I figured that they did, what they did, it, you know, doing it this way was to keep the final showdown between Crowley, Rowena, the Winchesters, and maybe more for the finale in, the, in a few weeks. I'm liking Crowley more, being more like the character we know and love at the end of this episode. And both him and Dean acknowledging the fact that they have both changed 
changed, and especially Crowley has changed recently. And I like their little heart-to-heart about how they've both mellowed in their old age. It was much better this week in general with the whole Rowena and Crowley stuff, so I was happy about that. You know, I, I think they're fixing some of the issues we've had and getting to where I think it's going to be better going it's forward. Funny going somewhere. Yeah, exactly. And I think where it's gone in this episode was so much better than what we'd seen in the past that just the movement and everything really made it better. Because it just felt like it was spinning its wheels. You know, the same thing over and over again with Rowena Crowley for about four or five weeks. So I'm glad that it moved somewhere. Can really, again, this is another example that I think as this show continues, it would be better suited as, you know, a 13 episode series instead of a full season. Again, I don't think they're going to do that, but I feel like there's just a lot of lagging story that happens come second half of the season for Supernatural. Okay. Yeah. Again, I don't know if that's outrageous to say, but I feel like it would work better. Yeah, maybe. Finally, if you want to ramp up a show because it heads into the final leg of the season, okay, Letter from Bobby, who's a character that made up a large part, come by emotional connection to, this show is the way to do it. Because I loved how he acted as this opportunity for Bobby to say his goodbyes to Sam because he felt like he got to, he got that moment with Dean just before he was coming to season seven, but he didn't really get the chance with Sam. So reading this letter was a big character moment for the youngest Winchester brother because Bobby finally got the chance to know Sam and redeem himself, could he become a good man that he could be proud to call a surrogate son, a man that he always knew he could be. Nico, did you think the letter from Bobby was a powerful character moment for Sam? Because something that succeeded at ramping up Supernatural because it heads towards the season finale where Dean's struggle with the mark is going to come to a head? Yes, I did. Despite the angel scene at the end I already complained about, I love that Bobby reminded Sam that he knew he was a good man and at the same time encouraged Sam not to do this thing behind Dean's back because in the past the worst decisions they have made have been when they have been keeping secrets from one another and from Bobby himself. So he told Sam he could trust Dean and tell him what they were doing. Now, we know Sam will ignore that, but it was still, right. it was nice to see Bobby trying to give good advice to his surrogate son. Gotta love Bobby and his idiot sons. Gotta love it. Yes, finally Bobby said what we've all been saying. Yep. Stop keeping secrets from each other. Yep. But this is the CW. Secrets are always kept on these shows. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, but you know, it's a good moment, a nice moment. Come, I thought it worked very well, like, I don't know, uh, the show Chuck, when they did that with his dad, he wrote a letter to Chuck. Good an episode that worked really well. Good it was done in his voice. Yep. Come, I think the same thing worked very well here with Bobby. And speaking of this, like, final leg of the season, Benetron was released from heaven, could have made mortal. So does that mean you could possibly seek out Rowena to get the powers necessary to get revenge on the Winchesters? Could act out as evil plants? Also, Benetron gave a name drop to Lucifer, because someone who may be able to remove the bar. So does that mean there's a possibility the 11th that one needs to be final season? Because Supernatural could be Apocalypse Round 2, or will the Winchesters get help with removing the bark from their creator who we all know is Chuck? What do you think, Nico? I hope it's Chuck. <laughs> I really hope it's Chuck. I love that guy. Lucifer is always a possibility, especially with Mark Pellegrino available again, but I hope they do not go that route because it would really feel like a season five retread to me. Season you know, it's kind of feeling that way again here. Yeah. Oh, I just feel like it's reversed. It's uh, it's Dean instead of Sam this time. Exactly. Season five was great, but we don't need to see it again. Yeah. As for Metatron and Rowena, first off, let me say that I loved Cass and Sam's double crossing Metatron's double cross. So does that make it a quadruple cross? <laughs> And Cass stealing his grace to make Metatron mortal was a good move, and getting a little payback on Metatron for the same move he did when expelling the angels from heaven. So I liked that duality, or that that sort of mirroring what had happened to Cass. Anyway, I doubt Metatron and Rowena will be teaming up. I don't see it happening, nor him even knowing about her as a major player right now. I don't think he's tuned in enough to know that she's out there, or that she's the one that's going to be the big bad for this season, or 
part of the big bad for this season. Anyway, I'd prefer they keep those story arcs separate, but I guess we'll have to wait and see how smart these writers are about it in the weeks to come, because they could just make that mistake <laughs> the way things have been going. I hope right. they don't, but, you know. Could they just feel like Metatron needs power? Because that would be a good way to do it, since they're both, they both have a bone to pick with the Winchesters. That's true. But at the same time, I can see Metatron just use her, because they turn right around and kill her. Okay. That would resolve it if it goes there and it's bad. I just don't know if they're that smart. <laughs> so, we'll see. This is the show. That's how it's last thing a little bit. But uh, this was a nice move or a good episode late in the game. Very much so like an episode of Castle as well. All right, so let's talk about another show that's late in the game, but I thought came out with a pretty solid episode for where it stands on things. So let's talk about the community episode, Queer Studies and Advanced Waxing. One by one, they are just The school board invites the dean to become a member as long as he promotes his homosexuality. Chang auditions for the Karate Kid with Annie's help and endures abusive treatment from the director. Abed tries to save baby birds nesting on the Greendale internet router with the help of Elroy. My favorite comedic moments from this week's community were two things. The way Keith David, because Elroy, started this episode kidding it out of the park on the laps. We tried to get Jeff to sue the creators of Donkey Kong for stealing his idea. Because say those bastards would discover that terabytes existed. Get his satanic bird murdering monologue. Also, I thought Chegg was going to steal the show on the laughs with the stage adaptation of the Karate Kid, but credit really needs to go to Gallus and Bree got a great impression of Ralph Macchio, got a director for his crazy, angry rants. And what really made this funny was how much the director looked like and reminded me of everybody's favorite angry sitcom character, New Girl's Nick Miller. And I've got to say, and I've got to say, character story-wise, the gay deep premise was some very intelligent, good, tactful writing. Community has always alluded to deep open being gay, but this was a great way to tackle the issue of his sexuality. Cut ahead, in a way that I don't think could have been done if this show was still on NBC. Nico, what were your favorite moments from this week's Community? My favorite comedic moments were everything Karate Kid this week with Chang. I thought he actually did steal the show, and I loved how into the play everyone got while attending. I thought that was a great scene. Jason Matsukas, his guest role as the crazy director was not quite as out there as his role as Raph on the league, but he was pretty crazy nonetheless, and I loved how they turned our expectations on their head when he really could care less about Andy's acting, but he was being such a dick to Chang because he thought he had real potential, and how he believed that the true hero of the Karate Kid was Pat Morita's Miyagi, and not Ralph Macchio's Daniel. The Dean stuff was fun, but no one thing stood out to me as the best. Another solid episode, but Chang, for once for me, stole the show. He kind of has done it too weeks in a row with the porno than this yeah yeah I, I think they've i think they've been able to let him loose a little bit more than they maybe would have been on nbc although i still think this is an episode that could have happened on nbc i don't think i don't think that even with the dean's sexuality and things like that being explored it was something that was out there or something that was would have been unacceptable for a network television show not in this modern era right and I, and I don't think it was a step down at all it just felt like a quality episode of community oh i think it's better on the web. I, I actually think this season is better than we've gotten in, we got in yeah. season five for sure. I agree with that. And, uh, one thing I've got to say: this episode kind of got it all wrong because according to uh, Barty Stetson on How I Met Your Mother, the real hero of the Karate Kid is Billy Zabka. Yep. So you know, I was thinking the same thing. I, I love the idea <laughs> of how much people loved Karate Kid and how everybody has a different hero. And I mean, Pat Morita is of course awesome. a, a legend. 
and the fact that he I didn't actually know that he got an Oscar nomination for this. Yeah, he did. Um, I, I looked it up after the episode and I was like, oh my gosh, he actually did. And and deservedly so. Miyagi is a great character. I mean, the third movie kind of ruins the character a little That's bit. That's not but, his fault, though. Oh, no, no, absolutely not. Yeah. But what he brought to this character made this movie. It could have been just a, you know, a fun kids movie, but with Pamarita and his, his Miyagi brought it to life and made it more than just a, a fun movie. It made it something that was actually interesting. And that's cool. And I love that Dan Harmon brought that out. It, it, you know, it, he did yeah. it through Jason Matsukis, but it was definitely Harmon making a statement. Well, you know what they say, you know, Pamarita, he's the best around. <laughs> nothing's ever going to bring him down. Yep, yep, yep. Because nothing's going to ever bring me down because the last when it comes to this show. Because we're going to talk about the new girl episode. Do the right thing. Hey, girl. What you doing? Jess crashes a funeral where she hopes to delete a sexy text message she has sent to the deceased. Meanwhile, Schmidt's mom visits and demands he write bar mitzvah thank you notes, and Winston tries to become off-duty friends with his police partner. My favorite comedic moments from this week's New Girl could have to be Jess, Coach, Ken J.J. Watt, singing songs on sports food, like hot dogs, Ken Stadium tacos, hot dogs, hot dogs, everybody loves hot dogs, hot dogs, Again, Winston using CSI interrogation tactics to help Schmidt write thank you notes to the people who attended his bar mitzvah years after the fact, which was a scene that was made most hilarious by everyone getting excited when they found out one of the invitees was dead because it meant that they didn't have to write good other thank you notes. Also, an honorable mention for our favorite comedic moment needs to go to Outside Dave for asking Winston if he was okay after getting turned down, got hanging out with his partner, good at Dave saying, well, I was really talking to a ladybug. Nico, what were your favorite comedic moments from this week's episode of New Girl? Dan, you nailed it. The J.J. Watt guy guest appearance and his random food he threw in at the end of each song to punctuate the food songs were great. And that's why they call it the out of peanuts blue stadium taco. I also thought the idea of Winston and his partner interrogating Schmidt and forcing him to watch his bar mitzvah video and listen to the music over and over and over again to get the names was great. I was not a huge fan of the whole Schmidt's mom arc, but everything that came out of it was all right. So eh, it was all right. Anyway, JJ Watt, coach, and Jess singing was great. And you're right. Outside Dave is always great for us, you know, just for a seemingly throwaway line that just absolutely hits almost every single time. Yeah, it's a brilliant gag, yeah. Yeah. It's dropped there with Tran, who we might not get to see anymore, which is kind of sad. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, football players, guest starring at sitcoms, can always work so it always turns out to be, to be hilarious. I don't know why, but it does. Yep. Could there, that Matthew Perry show, Go On and Troll, I went on a couple times and his parts got there were absolutely hilarious. Oh, yeah. JJ Watt kind of lived up to that. Yep. All right, so let's now talk about kind of the Modern Family episode. That was, that was okay. Not as good as the other sitcoms this week, but, uh, you know, fun nonetheless. So let's talk about the episode. Grill Interrupted. <laughs> 
Jay's birthday comes with a number of interesting gifts, including Phil's high-tech outdoor grill and Claire and Mitchell's offer to pay back some ancient loans, though they don't think he'll actually accept it. Meanwhile, Gloria teaches Manny and Luke a lesson about drinking, and Andy finds himself in an awkward situation when Haley brings her new doctor boyfriend. Good addition to Phil was stitching his eyebrows off, could showing off the new high-tech grill. He got Jay for his birthday. My favorite comedic moment was how Gloria faked out Luke and Manny with a vodka bottle that was really filled with water. Could how she faked them out so badly, they decided to jump into a bathtub filled with ice water to get rid of the tapeworm. They thought they had digested it. Also, I was feeling the agony Gandy was going through with meeting Haley's new doctor boyfriend. Could I've been in that position before, and it's just that fun. So, Nico, what was your favorite comedic moment for this week's Modern Family? Again, Dan, nailed it on the head. I was totally with you with the whole Luke and Manny and their fake getting drunk. And it's a classic sitcom trope to have underage kids who get drunk off the idea of drinking booze even more than actually drinking. So I, I thought it was funny the way they handled it. And the tapeworm was a good trick for Gloria to play on them. The whole thing with Phil and Jay, I was hoping for more out of it. Yeah, the grill almost blowing up in Phil's face and singeing his eyebrows was, you know, pretty classic sitcom sort of stuff yes. with a grill. But I was expecting more. I liked <laughs> that at one point it seemed like it might have exploded in the background and Phil had to yeah. go running off. Are you kidding me? <laughs> but I, I was expecting more. I was expecting something bigger or something. I don't know. But It's Tim Allen's fault. Because <laughs> of his grills, I don't approve of all that. Th- this is true. This is true. So I thought it was a all right episode. Nothing really stood out to me as super funny or, you know, the best yeah. of the, the season. But it wasn't a bad episode either. I think there was actually good stuff in there there was some heart in this one the whole thing with andy and Haley was uh you know it was heartbreaking but I think, okay. yeah i think the thing with jay and alex in the end was sort of uplifting too so yeah it's a nice family scene i think they were playing on sort of all kinds of emotions and i think it was successful yeah that's what this show does it was good at so mm-hmm. uh, yeah i mean well with that get up uh, now with that we're gonna move on to an episode of the big bang theory that might have been flawless um it was geek headed that's all i gotta say about this come if you're my friend on facebook I pretty much indicated that I got pretty excited after watching this episode. So let's talk about the episode that I'm sure Nico geeked out on as much as I did. The Skywalker Incursion. All started with a big bang. A speaking engagement at UC Berkeley puts Leonard and Sheldon in a galaxy not too far, far away from their idol, George Lucas's Skywalker Ranch, and they consider dropping by. Meanwhile, Howard and Bernadette argue over what to do with his Doctor Who TARDIS, so Raj and Amy try to settle things with a game of table tennis. This was an outstanding episode of the Big Bang Theory that relished in Golfing's Geek Up, because it had a Legend of Zelda reference, the best geek outline of the series, which was the fate of Doctor Who's TARDIS will be decided by a Game of Thrones-inspired deathmatch on the battlefield of Thundercats versus Transformers. And Sheldon and Leonard visiting Skywalker Ranch, which is something Nico and I would do on a road trip. But we would pull off meeting George Lucas. Also, I have to give this episode credit for giving the non geeks a lot of things to laugh at, because, well, like Sheldon's analysis of play that funky music, great question, could play that funky music could be the song the actual white boy would play? Good, the intense game of ping pong played between Raj and Amy with all its trash talking good serving. Go and Bernadette, even if you are cuter on the outside, it is wrong to sell a man's TARDIS. But the way she convinced Amy to throw the ping pong game by telling Curry it was a surefire way to get Sheldon did to her bed fit the character's devious nature perfectly. Because it was outstanding how this backfired got Amy and it inspired Sheldon to dress up as a Tom Baker Doctor Who complete with a scarf and continually going in and out of the TARDIS door leading into the bedroom. So with that, Nico, you have the floor with your favorite comedic moments from this episode which may be different than mine since it was filled with enough Star Wars fan geek references to make this one of the best episodes in Big Bang history. I will agree with that, Dan. I think it was one of the best episodes in Big Bang Theory. 
theory history. While watching this episode, I was having flashbacks to fanboys when Sheldon yes. and Leonard started heading towards Skywalker Ranch. I wish we have, or we would have gotten to see more of the actual ranch or some of the memorabilia, but it was awesome nonetheless. Well, everything except for maybe that uh, guy who Frenched a Wookiee. Yeah, a little disturbing. <laughs> a little bit. I also love the ping pong battle over the TARDIS, which, let's be honest, was an awesome life-size replica that Howard made. That was awesome. If I had that, it would definitely be the door to either my house or at least my office and bedroom. And there's no way I wouldn't go out and finally finish my Tenet's 10 cosplay costume. I mean, Sheldon's Tom Baker was awesome, and everyone loves that scarf. But the blue pinstripe suit, large brown overcoat, and red Chuck Taylors are undeniably awesome as well. I just need the suit and a sweet, crazy Tenet wig to pull it all off. Anyway, best episode in a while, maybe one of the best ever. Yeah, you know, I might go with Matt Smith, just so I can wear a Fez. <laughs> nice. Because, you know, Fezes are fun. And the tweed jacket, yeah. Yes, but I really, honestly, this was just... I was surprised how good this episode was. Go, it really was a blast to watch. Go, and then Blind, I mean, oh my gosh. Go out there, Game of Thrones inspired that match. was great. Yeah. Go, I said, if that was a real, like, showdown, go, we would need, like, Walking Dead zombies, superheroes, and Jedi. Go, it would be perfect. <laughs> yep. So, it would be outstanding. But yeah, good episode, big surprise. Good how good it was, again, for a show that's late in the game. Go, really good stuff, and yeah, I want that target store. Oh, and uh, one thing I want to mention real quick, I really think the issue why we could see more of the ranch and the memorabilia is because Disney owns Star Wars now. I would think there's a clash with this being a Warner Brothers produced stage. So I think that's part of the problem. Maybe. But again, they reference Marvel like crazy. So, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It, that could be it. That could not be it. Maybe they just want the time. So with that, I think we're going to move on to the closing. Nico, uh, why don't you tell everyone what's going on in next week's episode? Um, it's going to be very, very light, but then after that, it's going to pick up like crazy right here. Yep. So bear with us on one more slow week. Kind of you're going to get all the content you want when Game of Thrones returns. Come on with a much more uh, bunch of other things. Yeah, on next week's episode, we'll have a News with Nico section with all the TV and entertainment news that has come out in the next week, and we will continue our coverage of the spring TV season as we review an episode of Person of Interest, along with our sitcom section including Community, New Girl, and Big Bang Theory. So join us next week for all of that. Also remember that our entire back catalog is available. If you are just getting caught up on any of the shows we cover, go back and catch Dan and my thoughts on those episodes. But for even more reviews and information on all our favorite shows, check out the blogs available on our website at acrosstheairways.com. Now roll that pre-recorded closing. And also, you can check out our spinoff podcast. Kaniko, you want to help me in describing the first one? Sure. The Hello Carriers podcast, which is Andy's podcast on our network, dedicated to covering episodes of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We also have It's Tangent Time, which yeah. is Michael and Wu, and they talk about all kinds of things, geek-related, nerd-related, all the great stuff that we talk about in super in-depth, way more than right. you could do in a single episode of one of our other podcasts. So they dive deep in those episodes and talk about it and sometimes they just go off on major tangents that's why it's called tangent time exactly we also have the back catalog of longbow hunters the arrow podcast which has officially wrapped up but all of our back catalog is available so if you are going back and watching the first two seasons of arrow again you can go back and listen to woo and michael's discussions on any of those episodes and all the new arrow episodes will be along with gotham the flash and Constantine in the new revamped DC Nation podcast, which will be Dan and I talking all things DC. It's going to be awesome. And that will still be available on the regular GTA feed, as well as its own feed on iTunes, just so you're not confused. Yep. And you can also contact our podcast through email, got across the airways at gmail.com, Facebook, Twitter, got across airwaves. There's those on there. It's just across airwaves or Google+. 
Kadiko House, can you cuts? You can leave a voicemail at 773-809-3363. Give us thoughts, feedback, or a review of any of the shows we aren't currently reviewing, or tell us what you want us to review. You can do all of that by calling 773-809-3363 and leaving a voicemail. And how can you listen to our show if you don't know so already? You can listen to our show through Stitcher Radio, iTunes, and the Mix Radio Network, thanks to our good friend Jack Stifle. And you can also listen to our episodes by visiting our website at www.acrosstheairwaves.com. All right, so once again, for all your ATA podcast hosts, Nikki Amy, Andy Mabach, Woo Kim, and Michael J. Petty, I'm Dan Schmidt. And I'm Nico Rusek. Until our next episode, we'll catch you on the airways. See you guys. Thank you for staying up with us all night till the sun. Because we got lucky with a great week of television this week. See you guys. Have a great week. Now return to our regularly scheduled program.